0: Welcome to The WorkPrint TV Talk, Episode 5. This is Christian, screenwriter and contributing author to The WorkPrint. With me is Jad Cato, a new reviewer for The WorkPrint, and also fellow writer and organizer. Jad? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Cool. And today, we'll be talking about The Twilight Zone, CBS's new all-access TV show on CBS. We cover the first two episodes of the show that just came out. It's created by Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out, and uh, Kean Peele, the com- famous comedy Sketch comedy thing on Comedy Central for the first episode, it's called The Comedian. Uh, we'll be discussing what we liked about it, what we didn't, uh, some of the basics. So, Jed, overall, uh, what did you think of the plot of The Comedian?
1: I really enjoyed it. When I was first watching it, I thought I wasn't gonna like it. Um, I felt that it was gonna be very predictable. That he was setting up, you know, his wife to be a victim of his own, um, you know, insanity or his yeah. own hubris, if you will. However, it didn't go that way. You know, it really did shift and it kept me guessing um, as the episode went along, which I really enjoyed. I didn't think it was the most amazing story in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, to be honest, but I thought it was very well done, uh, very well written. It sounded very natural uh, within that plot. And um, I think it really kept you to the
0: overall vibe of, of, uh, you know, what Twilight Zone is supposed to be. Oh, absolutely. I I was a huge fan of the original series. I've watched. I think every episode except that weird fourth season where, like, they shift formats to be, like, an hour long of the original. And they they didn't have it on Netflix, too, which is kind of strange. There were some early reviews of The Twilight Zone, uh, I think, on Entertainment Weekly. And so I was a little hesitant uh, about getting into this, because I love the series and I love Jordan Peele, but it seemed like it's kind of, like, mixed. But overall, um, I thought the stories for both were fantastic. Uh, The comedians in particular, because it just seemed like a story... Which I've kind of thought, oh, okay, like we have the basic premise going on here. There, there's a uh, Kamel Nanjami is the main character. He plays Samir. Uh, he, he gets into his like stand-up life and he meets this. Almost like weird spirit thing with uh, Tracy. Tracy, uh, I think it's just Tracy. Uh, what's his name? So I think
1: the name of the character is J.C. Wheeler. Yeah, but it's played by Tracy Morgan. Yeah. So I just assume it's just Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Every character that he plays, I'm like, oh, Tracy Morgan. See,
0: doing? I thought it was Tracy Wheeler.
1: I thought it was Tracy Wheeler too. But near the end of the episodes, I felt like they were saying J.C.
0: I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I could also be losing my hearing. No, um, it's it's hard to make out, especially because I think Tracy. He, he's notorious for forgetting certain lines and stuff. So I think in 30 Rock, they actually named his character Tracy just to make it easier for him. Oh, that's excellent. So I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Um, well, regardless, uh, Tracy Morgan's a delight, especially in that. Episode. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Really
1: cool. It gives off a very creepy uh, vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's an almost otherworldly persona, but he's also a famous comedian.
0: Yes. You know,
1: he's got that, uh, like the divine and the wicked feel from yeah. the comic book, where
0: <laughs> the you know, gods are almost like rock stars. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the celebrated uh, comedian that everyone seems to know, but it's kind of mysterious because he's just like there, but not fully there. And he kind of, he, he's the one who entices Camille with this 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 uh, opportunity, this this premise, which is like, you can be a stand-up comedian, but to do it, you have to put yourself out there, which I loved as an artist myself, and I'm sure you could relate because a lot of, you know, doing these artistic creative endeavors is putting yourself on the line. Well, I guess this the pilot slash premise for this first episode was very much well what if you literally put your yourself on the line not just you and like your your stories but literally your existence so like as kumail goes over the stand-up comedy he starts realizing he's doing better just pulling people from his life except as a result the audience some like magically just absorbs it and like while it is funny it's sacrificing parts of himself see i don't think it's funny the the audience finds it funny and he
1: receives the laughter from it but if you notice the the dialogue and the jokes that are told are very poor yeah oh that's going there initially they start a little funny too that's what's actually really nice about um how how this uh you know i guess the pilot episode of the first episode was written was you kind of see the gradual decline of the joke throughout the show, the the deeper he gets into it, right? Absolutely. So he starts off with this, uh, you know, joke on the Constitution, on the Second Amendment. You know, he's making a complicated joke that involves time that no one's really getting, and it's not really given into details, and it's supposed to be dependent on delivery, but it's just not working for that audience. So then J.C. Wheeler, or Tracy Morgan, um, comes up, gives him this power, and then he starts off telling kind of funny, but almost gimmicky-like jokes, right? And then it just completely devolves, yeah, absolutely. Throughout the whole thing, it, it's just he's like nonsense. He's just calling out people's names. You know what was the name of those two frat boys he was calling out at one point, or the uh, oh the, uh, the, the, ones, hedge, or the the hedge fund the right. hedge
0: fund managers. Yeah, there, there was a point where there were hecklers and the, and they were just totally ruining a set. And he's like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, And he just calls out their name and says their job and just calls out their name and, and everyone... says their job and
1: everyone's dying of laughter. The monster is being fed, right, mm-hmm. the existence of these different people
0: yeah, within his life. Yeah, it's very much, and this is why I think I was hesitant at first for the episode because it seems, oh, okay, the premise is, you know, he gives a part of his life, but immediately my head went, wait a second. Like, a part of me wanted them to reveal this twist towards the end because I thought it would have been a stronger story, but this is before we finished the episode. Because, uh, like, I think midway I was I realized this isn't so much a bad thing. This is kind of a superpower. You just take neg- every negative aspect of your life and start feeding it into the monster itself or whatever it is and just remove it from existence. And, like, it's a kind of a blessing. And so we actually see uh, Kumail's character, uh, Samir, uh, we see Samir, like, start trying to do that a little bit. And it starts failing. He even actually mentions, too, that it's a superpower to his wife, I believe, at some point. Yes, absolutely. And he decides
1: um, to use it, especially uh, with key people, right? Yeah. So you can see that initially, uh, once he starts being cognizant of the superpower aspect of it, right, or this power of choice that he now has, right, the yeah. Death Note, if you want, <laughs> um, for him, is that um, he tries to keep it distant, initially, right? He goes through his Facebook. He tries to find people he met back in high school, probably people he didn't like, and would make jokes about these people and experiences that he had with them, so they were initially getting knocked off. And then it got to a point where the monster, or the audience, rather, right, but really the monster, um, was getting tired of, I guess, the same same food items on the menu. Mm -hmm. So he had to up the ante. It felt like he was forced... To choose someone a little bit more different as a result of that, and he ends up choosing a mentor. Oh, that's of right. His, uh, of his wife. Do you yeah. want to get into that a little bit?
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, he he starts because at first it's like, all right, let me use this to my advantage. But then, and it's kind of predictable because there there was a good moment in like the midsection where it's like, oh, okay, they're really selling up his relationship with his wife, which is sweet. And if you know uh, Kumail Nanjiani's story, he loves his wife Emily. Uh, and it's a lot of his comedy and a lot of his career was based off that so it seems like it was the perfect casting choice or Maybe even written with uh, the was written for with him in mind So they play up his relationship with his wife in midpoint um, you see that his wife this pretty uh, awesome lawyer, right? She's a lawyer I think yes. Yeah, and uh, she has this mentor who who taught her law and everything but Kumail uh, sorry, Samir is very jealous of this, this character and He's like, well, why did, why is he trying to hang out with... The, he's trying to bang my wife, essentially. <laughs> um, to the point where he eventually uh, kind of gives it up to the Beast in a moment of weakness. And he thinks, oh, okay, you know what? I'm done. And I was kind of waiting for the slip up. The whole the selfishness, the greed finally gets to you. The fame, or the building up of fame gets to him. And it did, but not in the way that we expected. Because by her losing that mentor it kind of kills like her career which in turn kind of changes the dynamic of the relationship
1: yes they end up not being married yeah they also um i think break up pretty quickly they don't live together yeah there's some pretty stark differences in their lives her attitude and her perception towards them completely
0: changes too it's much more vindictive uh, to that point, there's this really beautiful shot um, when he enters the apartment again. It was the apartment that they've been sharing this whole time, and they do like a 360 panoramic of just of uh, Samir's character, and you just see the emptiness of the apartment. And it was it was just a really gorgeous, like, wow, I ruined everything. Everything's there, like everything's gone. My life is not over, like literally, but in a sense, yeah, I guess, yeah. There was a really messed up scene earlier
1: in the episode when he does that to his nephew his uh, wife's uh, nephew or something like oh that. yeah yeah. and he just completely forgets about it you know he does this horrific thing, thing of just completely making him disappear out of existence it's like pulling a Thanos
0: yes oh my god this is basically yes. a Thanos comedy <laughs> yeah
1: Thanos and stand up comedy yeah which is interesting um so yeah and then it becomes a very decisive um I guess you know he has to become very decisive
0: yes yes uh yeah not to ruin the ending for anyone because we we will be talking spoilers if you haven't realized every episode of TV talk does have a degree of spoilers. you should know that by now <laughs> um but yeah there there are moments especially towards that back end where they they set up this this uh kind of the aspect of choice, which is I think very much the driving factor in in this uh, this first episode uh where you know he has the career going on but he sacrificed a good degree a good degree of his life and uh there are moments where it's like okay i can keep going down this pathway i can choose to tank my friend slash rivals career they have, a, they have a there's a fellow stand-up comedian that he is friends with who's a dd i think that's her name yes and uh she she's very much his like not nemesis but like friendly rivalry and um they're up for, like, this big part in this this, uh, this performance thing, and it's just the two of them, and there's very much this obvious, like, do we do it, do we not type thing. Like, does he choose to be selfish and tank the uh, her career and by removing her from existence? And it's fascinating the choice that they end up, like, going with. It's very different from what I personally expected.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Executed very well. Kept me uh, rocking. I think it could have been a bit more suspenseful. Yes. At times, I felt that they resorted to um, misdirection Yeah, more so than suspense. Mm-hmm. So you really thought they were going to go down one route and then give him this choice between him and his wife, which may or may not happen. Right, That's the, true. Uh, yeah. The episode there, in case <laughs> you're looking for a spoiler. Um, but they really do use misdirection a lot. I think within the story, absolutely, and
0: yeah. uh, I think it pays off in the end. It's definitely worth the watch. Definitely, yeah. I was surprised with how much I ended up uh, loving this one. Um, what did you think about casting? Like, do you think everyone was on point? Uh, any qualms with that? Or? Absolutely, everyone was phenomenal. Yeah, I'm kind of. It's right just
1: really good there. Um, you know, I really enjoy uh, Samuel's work and yeah. stuff, and I identify with him as such an ordinary guy. You know, the way he stands, his posture, just just kind of his attitude. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's definitely very eloquent when it comes to script, script reading. You can tell that, you know, he fits into the role very naturally. And, um, yeah, he's just great. Absolutely yeah. wonderful.
0: To be honest, I I have no qualms with the casting, too. I, and I love Kumail Nanjiani. Um, were there any noticeable uh, elements of dialogue or anything that stood out, like, in a conversation or anything like that? Or? Not necessarily. Oh, uh, the joke that he used about naming his dog Cat, which was real,
1: and he just kept asking about where's Cat, where's Cat, and he's yeah. putting up the posters of the um, uh, dog. I thought that was really funny. Um, it was a bit weird when she confronts him and kisses him. Uh, so, Dee Dee, at one point, confronts, um, you know, Samir, because they're, they're in a competition, I guess, to get the attention of a famous comedian or or an agent or something like yeah, that. I okay. think an agent. And... Um, she gives a very empowered rivalry speech to him which is yeah. slightly sexualized yeah uh which i thought was was weird a bit odd yeah. but it kind of added to the moment
0: i guess a bit it did um especially because she you could see that she wholeheartedly like liked him as a person and there are, again it it, it's, it does, the show does a great job of uh, misdirection and subverting your expectations which i think unanimously was very very surprising because um it, I was waiting for the, the twist at the end, more of a Black Mirror thing, but this, this actually works well by introducing it pretty early. Uh, the reason I say that is because uh, there was this moment where you think that she's going to intentionally trash his character slash be like, oh, okay, well, now she's deserving of this punishment, but she actually goes a little friendly rivalry, wholehearted direction. It's like, oh, well, actually, no, you're going to stay. We're going to do this because you're just as good, or if not, like, you've been good for a while. It's just we didn't notice you before. Which is, I guess, ironic, because the way that the story is structured, we know that it's not that his comedy's gotten better, it's that he's gotten mysterious disappearance powers. (laughs) So there are two twists in
1: this episode, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about them. Do you think we can give a spoilers warning and get into the details of it? Spoilers play. Okay. So heads up, we're going to give the twist away. Oh, okay. If you guys don't want to listen to it... Just just... cut for, like, the next minute. (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. You know... And, and if so, um, I guess not sorry. <laughs> okay, so the first twist is that he decides to give himself up instead of throwing um, his uh, wife-slash-ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. away, right? So she comes to confront him at the uh, show. She finds his book, um, and she's like, it has all these names in there. She doesn't give a real good explanation as to why that's in there. It just He seems to be very confused and angry, yeah. and she calls him out for being selfish. So he decides to be like, you know what? Yeah, I am selfish. And decides to really talk about himself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the audience is boring with laughter, cracking up. And then you notice that he disappears. Yeah. And his wife is back to normal. Her nephew's back with him. You know. And and all that. And um, he's just completely gone from that. And then the second twist. I thought that was a very beautiful way to end it. Yeah. But then they threw out the second twist, which, um, as a geek, I liked but it's a
0: bit hokey. I don't know. Uh, do you want to spoil this one? Sure. Uh, for those who cut back in, um, give us another 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, what, what, what's the story talking about here? <laughs> the second twist, which was The Shining. Oh, right, right, overall. right. Um, yes. Uh, okay, so for those who have watched The Shining, the the great twist is in the back wall, there's a... There's a, a, a list of, uh, or uh, a, pic, a bunch of pictures of comedians, and they magically show him there. It's a mirror there. He yeah. made it into the wall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it's pretty cool, because it was a nice reference. And also, when I saw that pr- at first, I was like, wait, that kind of looks like the picture of The Shining, and ends up uh, being exactly that. <laughs> There's a lot of homages
1: in the this, in this show. So, okay, spoiler-free, uh, kind of. Yeah. Right. We just ended the, the twist discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some really cool uh, homages or easter eggs. Yes, oh my god, yeah. The right, right? What, what were
0: some of the ones that you noticed? Um the dummy. Oh my god, anyone who's watched the classic uh uh sci- <laughs> I was say classic sci-fi, classic uh, Twilight Zone, um, if you pay attention uh, in the uh, in the the room in the back where all the uh, performers like kind of Collaborate and talk before going on stage. If you look carefully on the chair in the background, you'll notice that there's a dummy. That's actually the same exact dummy from the original Twilight Zone in the episode, which was kind of like a rip-off of—well, not a ripoff of Chucky. I would say maybe inspired Chucky, but uh, yeah, that's that's totally there. So that's one.
1: Yeah, uh, The Shining. <laughs> that is <was that, laughs> the one big homage that I noticed. One big Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, I noticed more Easter eggs in the second one than the. Uh... Yes. Than um, that, but what else did you notice in terms of that I didn't really I, pick up on
0: I'm yeah I think well. that was actually it like, that was a big one though It was just like wait a second and I had to like I waited until the end of the episode to Google search so the it was, tone was very similar right
1: they kept the theme song yeah yeah, they way. kept the theme song so which, slightly different yeah. I think. Um, so they did homage it in that regard yeah um, and Jordan Peele himself playing the Rod Sterling um, yes uh, I guess uh, in character. terms of casting what do you think of Jordan Peele as that role uh-huh. yeah it's awesome man yeah I really enjoy him um, a lot. I think he has that ability to jump from comedy into to drama, mm-hmm. you know. And he keeps it straight. He keeps it straight. He's yeah. there. I feel like his voice almost alludes to Rod to a little bit. It's very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I enjoy it, uh, and yeah, I hope it. Really, you know, succeeds. No, oh, no,
0: same here. Uh, I will say though that uh, unanimously, this this exceeded my expectations uh, just personally. What about you, Jad? What did you think? Absolutely, yeah? definitely exceeded that. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't think it was again the best story in the world, uh, but I'm excited to watch more. Yeah, same here. Uh, which is strange because, um, again, uh, went into this expecting a little bit less, but ended up being uh, pretty great all around. Um, this one I expected to like more, but. Uh, I guess the this next one which we're about to introduce is uh, it's hard to talk about this one without having preconceived notions of the uh, episodes of the Twilight Zone in the past because the title for this was Nightmare in 30,000 Feet and if you've seen Twilight episodes or even the Twilight Zone movie in the 80s um, that already kind of if it sounds familiar it's a callback to the episodes with uh, with um, Captain Kirk in the first one uh, with William Shatner. William Shatner, thank you. I was like, why am I forgetting? Uh, yeah, William forget Shatner. The Shatner, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then they did a, a remake in the movie uh, with John Lithgow. Both were amazing iterations of the Twilight Zone. And uh, if if you've seen them, you'll know that it's essentially gremlins and on a plane. Um, Spoiler for <laughs> I mean that's a fair spoiler because that's been that's been over yeah, twenty point, years.
1: Yeah, I was very hesitant when they released the title of that. Yeah, same here. Thing because I was like, oh no, this is the third time they're going to do it. It's going to be the same old story. Yeah. And it's not. It's really not that. It's different and it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's very well done. It's it's very well done. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, is it Adam Scott? He plays Justin Sanderson. Yep. Uh, Scott invest- from Parks and Rec. Investigative uh, party party down. Party yes. Up. Yes. Still haven't seen that yet um an investigative reporter and then um i can't remember his name but i think he's the guy from daredevil the guy who plays joe uh yeah joe the the drinking man i call him
1: the drinking man yeah within the show
0: well who does he play on
1: daredevil is he the uh is he the the, uh, brother? the fake daredevil on the third one? no
0: no no the uh the the brother um of what's her name uh you know what's funny is I'm just guessing this right now. I should have just Google searched before. You should have been. <laughs> Google's a powerful tool. Yeah. Anyways,
1: oh. so there's this guy named Joe.
0: Yes, I mean. and he he is this alleged pilot who likes drinking a lot. Um, or drinking little bottles. I will reference that as an Easter egg that ties into this one and the last episode, which I noticed. Um, in this one, Joe is drinking little bottles of alcohol, and the Tracy or JC J- whatever character uh, that Tracy Morgan played in the last episode, he was using a vape. The entire time. I'm noticing there's a common theme here of the alleged quote unquote villain or mysterious element uh, using some sort of like substance device. That's very interesting. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so Nightmare in th- 30,000 Feet. Um, let's start with the story. Uh, Jad, take it away. Yes. Yeah, so Justin is an uh, investigative journalist mm-hmm.
1: who is at the airport. Um, he walks into a uh, stand. I believe, we're like a convenience store, and he goes to pick up a magazine that he's featured in, mm-hmm. and he meets this character, Joe, uh, who recognizes him, mm-hmm. immediately knows who he is and stuff, um, and Justin ends up buying the magazine for Joe, essentially, and, you know, um, they kind of part ways, and then you can kind of tell that Joe is very anxious, right? He's just really anxious the whole time. He calls up his wife. She seems upset that he called and she's trying to calm him down and it's you kind of find out that it's because he's been working very high stress investigative journalistic type of jobs right mm-hmm. probably in war zones or something like that. yeah definitely you know? so he's definitely suffering from some sort of PTSD um, as a result of that I thought that was a very interesting um, addition to the story it was like very different from the previous ones they deal with like stress in the previous one I think yeah but this is like you know it does allude to, I think, more current events and stuff. And
0: oh, definitely. I will uh, just interject real quickly. Um, uh, just like in Jordan Peele's other uh, horror movies, there's definitely a lot of race-related themes uh, in both of these episodes. And I'm going to assume the whole series of The Twilight Zone. Because this one, it was a big issue because they were on a flight to Israel, I believe. Right? They were, but I don't. that didn't really take part in the story. So yeah. the
1: first family that you see boarding onto the plane is a Muslim family. Yeah. Which I thought was very cool. Yeah and that was a family that I think maybe one of them got stopped because he was Adam Scott was being patted down right his character Justin was being patted down at one point I think there might have been one Muslim person that was with him there but generally the family seems to be like okay there's no issue he like trades his first class upgrade to sit like in the back for them and whatever which I thought was really cool absolutely Um, and there was also one scene where he interacts with uh, a sheik uh, couple they're not a couple they're like friends (laughs) um and, uh, yeah, he gets into, like, an argument with the Sikhs and stuff. But it's not never. I think he makes a comment about the race a little bit, right? He does, because then... He's, like, he also... to everyone, because they're playing something loud on their phone. Yeah. And he's and... trying to quiet it. And he's
0: also, like, the traditional, like, white guy trying to disturb a plane filled with different people who are, you know, not just white. So it's yeah. kind of, like, reverse of that role. But, yeah. And then even in the in the the uh, other one, too, with Kumail, because, like, you know, the he's indian and stuff and i i found it interesting that they feature that i guess that one didn't really play into the race uh, elements or themes of the story but there's definitely a degree of tension i think from the series because of these like non-traditional like m- more more minority cares i should say more in the in the pa- in the uh, driver's seat so it's it's Brings an element of that type of uh, tension, I think. But that, that's just how I saw it. Maybe I just watched too much Get Out. No, I mean you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure there is
1: tension because there's a lot of ignorant people out there. You know, that's <laughs> the, the fact of it. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Jordan Peele does a great job, or whoever does casting, rather. Yeah, I'm sure Jordan hasn't put it within it too. They do a great job of diversifying their cast. Yeah, I think it's great seeing you know a different you know um, you know types of people, you know, of color be, being included in in, in the show. You know, oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. And, you know, Adam Scott is the white guy. You're, like, typical white guy, do you, yeah. right? Um, and then you have Samil, as you said, you know who's not. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't play a part of the story, really, like, at all. It's just kind of there, I felt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, there was kind of that one comment we mentioned about Adam Scott a little bit where he says, uh, you know, where he's talking to the two Sikhs. But beyond that, I didn't really feel it affected.
0: Not so much that. For me, it was more Adam Scott basically holding the plane hostage that's what i was like or yeah oh the, that trope yeah 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 because yeah. cool. it's like oh hey it's that guy but it's not the guy that you know we're conditioned to you know stereotypically like oh well they they kind of played off of it because he was that character and i also have to mention the uh, the twist with the air marshal which surprised me yes yeah that was really cool do you want to get into that a bit sure uh i don't remember the actress's name but uh during this whole thing, um... The We're pre- failing in research right now. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention the premise of the 30,000 feet. It's not, it's not, um... It's not, uh, gremlins or trolls. It's, uh... Because it's how it seems. Like, it starts, oh, shoot, it starts we with the Oh, forgot a- about the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so,
1: really quickly, um... He gets on the plane. He sits next to this dude, right? And he finds a vintage MP3 player. yeah. And he uh, looks around for, like, you know, headphones or whatever, finds and plugs it in. And it's, what's it called? The tragic tale of Flight 1015? Yes,
0: which is literally the flight they're on. They're on, Yeah.
1: So he notes earlier in the episode when he's talking to his wife that, you know, it's Flight 1015. It got delayed from 9.15 to 10.15 p.m. and that the day was October 15th, which is 10.15, right? Yeah. So he gets in there, he finds that podcast with it, and it's a narrator who's talking about this podcast in real time. Yes. So he's listening to this podcast, and the narrator's like, in one hour, Mm -hmm. this plane is going to tragically disappear. Yada, yada, yada. And he's listening to that, and it's playing into his anxiety. And it's his PTSD, if you will. Um, So he's then affecting the flight as a result of this, right? Because they say... um, there were two things they told him to look out for, right? It was like suspicious. There was uh, a couple things actually. It was like the flight patterns changing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the captain was saying that they were changing their flight pattern to avoid, you know, the storm coming yeah. in. Then they said suspicious-looking people, or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, what else was it like? Um,
0: there were a couple hints and like uh, things that don't fit in. Uh, what is it? They, the the marshal would be somebody who was trying to emulate the the target or the mark. Yeah. Because. Uh, I, I guess the other thing that we have to mention is the Russian thing. That was hysterical. There's this
1: one point where he's listening to the podcast and they mentioned some guy named Boris Korloff. Not Boris Korloff. That's an
0: actor. We'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, just say the Russian guy for now. The Russian
1: I guy. I wrote his name down. I, you know. Um, but yeah, like what, what, a Russian gentleman who's been um, in witness protection program and yes. is being moved to Israel. Yes. So the Russian mob wouldn't kill him, so he'd be able to like legally testify against the Russian mafia in yeah. the United States. So he thinks it's these two guy, two Russian guys who are asleep, and he's trying to, like, go through their luggage in the overhead, and he drops it down and lands on them. Yeah. And these Russian guys get really upset, and they're yelling at him, and they're like, are you from Spartak? Yeah. And he's like, what? He's like, Spartak Moscow, the football club. We're, we're part of the other <laughs> Russian football club, yeah. and we're supposed to play a match here. Are you just trying to fuck with us and whatever? And he's, like, so confused. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm looking for this Russian gentleman who's... Uh, you know, part of the witness protection that the mob wants to assassinate. And then you see the actual
0: Russian guy that he was looking for jump through, right? Yeah. And then, like, the captain and the crew come in, whatever. And it gets... It becomes this whole fiasco. And again, it all it all comes back to the podcast because it's literally playing in real time. And it's great from... Because because on that event... Um, Obviously, the passengers are now getting riled up too because they see this—this this like, all, not a fight, but like a this interruption slash disturbance breakdown. And they like anyone th- does these days—they pull out their phone, their phones to record it. And, um, and this is the part where the thing—at least for me—I thought they got really meta and broke into the later half of the episode, or like the the big midpoint, because um, as he's listening to the podcast, he's like, and then some of the passengers had uh, recorded footage of. Uh, this incident, and it literally it was that incident happening. So you you then acknowledge that, oh my god, this podcast isn't just some crazy thing, it's literally happening in real time. Like, if you weren't sold before, this 100% sells it. And then, uh, t- to add on to that, literally seconds later, they, they the the narrator of the podcast then mentions, well, it all, also comes back to this reporter, and they say his name. And that's when the jaw, at least for me, the jaw dropped. And I'm like, oh, yeah. dude, this is... This isn't a like game or some mind trick thing. This is happening in real real time. Yeah, yeah
1: and he's kind of hearing the narration of his own yeah. thing, which makes sense. He's like a journalist, right? And mm-hmm. podcasting is a form of journalism. Yeah. Um, or at least a type of journalism. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, he really gets caught up in that and causes these different disturbances. And then Joe appears again, right, when the captain. So, okay, the the air marshal ends up being this young lady. Yes, who none of us expected. None of us expected. You kind of get a hint of her initially because she's kind of like, who the fuck is this guy freaking out?
0: Yeah, she's actually sitting next to him in the thing. And when you see her at first, I thought maybe he'd ask her for advice on the podcast because he's kind of freaking out. It's like, what's going on with this thing? Uh, and it's funny, because then she reveals to herself later on, to be spoiler, which you should know by now, uh, the Air Marshal, and apparently she takes a listen herself, they mentioned, and she's like, it's not a big deal, I listen to it, and whatever. Yeah, she or something like that, or, no, I don't know if she listened to it or not. I don't Didn't think she say, she like, her. at some point where it's like, hey, you no, know, I listen to it, it's it's not a big thing? Because, like, they do the cut, which should have been the commercial break, yeah. where they go back to her, and she he's sitting next to her now, because, you know, mm-hmm. he's been causing all this havoc, and yeah. Yeah, so he's under
1: arrest. The captain has already berated him, Mm -hmm. and this isn't that. And then all of a sudden, our friend Joe, Joe. this alleged pilot, comes in. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I believe you. I believe everything you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He feels kind of relaxed, right? Yeah. And so, uh, what's his name? I was going to call him Ben from Parks and Rec, but (laughs) uh, Justin. Justin, yes. Justin, uh, the character, you know, played by Adam Scott. Um, He. Then comes to the realization that he has to get Joe to become the pilot so they can bring him to safety or land him to safety somewhere like that. So he figures out that the code is, lo and behold, 1015, right? (laughs) Flight number. And uh, Joe gets in there pretty easily and then takes out the crew, right? And it's being recorded live to everyone. so Everyone's, like, seeing this on the thing.
0: One of the weird things about this... Uh, the way that the plane is structured is they they show the pilots uh, they show like security security footage I guess uh, of the pilots in real time so you can see what's happening in the cockpit, hence yeah. why they were able to see uh, what's his name take everyone down, uh, Joe yeah
1: yeah absolutely and then uh, you know Joe goes on the loudspeaker and and says
0: this this and that and he crashes the plane. Well, he he says the exact last final phrases. He he pretty much becomes the fulfilling prophecy that. Uh, oh yeah, true.
1: There's one thing where in the beginning of the episode, you you know they say the last words are "Thank you, New York." Yeah, you and, know, he, and then Joe as the end one who ends up saying that's a reference to a Sinatra song, which then plays yeah. as the plane is going down. So, damn right, damn yeah, goes definitely. down. Holy crap! But does it end there? No. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next?
0: Oh gosh. Um. And spoilers, right? Spoilers, yeah. Uh, so it's more towards the uh, the final because at th- at this point I'm like, oh, okay, so the thing was fulfilled. There's a part. <laughs> I'll be honest, Jad. I really was not the biggest fan of that second that final final moments because um, the the podcast apparently has a second part to it, and <laughs> he starts playing it, which to me was like, okay, whatever. No, he doesn't start playing it. He wakes up on the island. Yes, beach. Yes, yes. He wakes up so on island beach after the, the crash. Yes, right. Yeah. But then he starts he starts playing it, and this is why I'm a little hesitant about that ending. But overall I like the episode. Um he plays it and it's like, okay, yes, they were on the beach, and they described that it crashed, etc. etc. Um, but apparently everyone on the plane uh, survives, except him. And you slowly then see the uh, the angry crowd start to gather and yeah, well it's
1: a little different, right? He like rummages, he finds it and they're talking about how the crew the the um all the passengers mm-hmm. were found but he had disappeared. They didn't know what happened to him Yeah, or something like that. But then we kind of see what happens to him. Yeah, they get really upset and you know, they blame the whole thing on him and take him out. And the very lord
0: of the flies like they literally tear him alive. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say though that that threw me off just because um this whole podcast, this alleged podcast uh, they, they say that this whole thing is a mystery, but with all these survivors, they kind of know exactly what happened, dude. They do. And that's the thing. It's a conspiracy. I... Right? They
1: just kind of are like it, all in on it. It's like a much better version of Lost, the TV show. <laughs> so if you ever have the inkling to be like, hey, I want to watch Lost, be like, no, I'm not going to watch that. No offense to Abrams and Lindelof and whomever. Um, but, you know,
0: just, just watch this episode instead because it kind of has that feel near the end. <laughs> um yeah that and that's that's basically the episode and it was pretty solid um overall uh i had no qualms with it i had such low expectations because i expected to see a repeat of uh, the other uh plane based twilight zones but this is like kind of nothing to do with that except yeah that no planet.
1: monsters on the uh, the wings yeah nothing to do with that there they incorporate podcasts which are, which is, I think it's hysterical <laughs> yeah that's true well, that we're ironically anyway. doing one yeah and it's very original you know I give them credit for that they're doing something very original from it it's not like you're watching something that's rehashed and rehashed poorly
0: yeah absolutely you know, it is really original in that regard so yeah um, yeah. do you have any uh, final thoughts on uh, this episode or even just the series uh, the first two uh,
1: it looks great overall visually I think it's, it's really on point uh, the casting is awesome the stories are entertaining enough Yeah. Um, I don't think they're perfect, you know, in that regard. Um, But, again, a lot of use of misdirection. Yes. You can see it in both. There's a lot of uh, exploration kind of on on, uh, anxiety, Mm -hmm. what seems like personal anxieties and stuff like that, which is interesting, too, and also substance abuse. Yeah. Or use, rather. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm curious to what's going to hold. I'm going to write an article on the first two.
0: Uh, where I'll get into my thoughts a little bit deeper, and then hopefully continue with that. Yeah. Um, Likewise, I loved it overall. Um, Really, really surprised with uh, some of the reviews coming out for this one because it was pretty solid. I think it was exactly what what you'd expect from Jordan Peele. Um, They hit the mark on everything. Um, The camera angles were mostly great. The one thing that um, Jordan Peele does use a lot, which I wasn't the biggest fan of in these first two, was the extreme close-up. If you don't know if you noticed, but they they put the camera like right up in front of some of these facial expressions, mm. and uh, I understand the film te- making technique where it's like supposed to invoke like powerful emotions, and this is how this person's feeling. But there are times where I'm like, dude, that camera is about to hit that person in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this just part of the experience for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Or it? uh,
1: no, it's really cool. Um, I like the in the first episode how they. Uh, you know entered in from the wall the picture of the comedians yes and they like entered in through the uh, well, you were kind of like coming through the comedy club yes like the audience to the stage and then at the end it was like the opposite yeah you know going outwards towards that and then you're hitting the picture again and he's there I thought that was really cool the transition cool use. yeah the transition uh, shots were great there was a really cool uh, easter egg in the second one where you see a picture of Samir on the Entertainment Weekly or something right. like that yeah I forgot um, about the that the magazine stand which is cool because you know his character in the first episode becomes like a superstar yeah um, so there's definitely they're in the same universe which yes. is interesting yes. right? especially for Twilight Zone mm-hmm. so yeah I'm looking forward to it and Jordan Peele's just great it's always good seeing him as the the host too
0: yeah, that's pretty great right. um, well this has been TV Talk episode 5, this is Christian speaking, Uh, you can find me on XN underscore Angelus on Twitter XN Angelus on Instagram and Christian Angelus on Facebook, Jad, where can they find uh, our audience find you? Cool, I'm at
1: Jad Kato so um, J-A-D-K-A-A-D-O and you can find me on all the social media platforms, just at Jad Cato. You know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and the likes.
0: And you can find him now on the work print as well. This article will be his.
1: And also, uh, Coab Arts website,
0: uh hyphen dot org. You know, nonprofit I work with. so Cool. Yeah, I also am working with CoLab these days as well. So it's a very good organization if you're in New Jersey, New Brunswick, New Jersey, particularly. Um, But yeah, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed TV Top 5. Uh, Next will be uh, The Tick, and I'll be covering that on Friday. So yeah, definitely enjoy. And thanks for listening. Have a good day.